Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. We have Rachel back on today's episode. I have been talking with her for the past two weeks. So if you didn't hear the introduction to her story and then the middle part last week, go back two weeks, listen to that first, and then join us here. We're starting with talking about how religious women have a difficult time getting to safety and why that is. So we're just going to jump right in. Why do you think so many religious women just cannot wrap their heads around, even if they know it's abuse? Most of them don't, right? So most of them don't know it's abuse and they're trying to hold their families together. But even some, me included, knew it was abuse and still did not want to take action to really get myself. Well, actually, that's not true. I did take action to get myself safe. I was just very miserable about it. And that makes sense that we would do it, but still be sad about it. Right. I mean, that's okay. But why do you think um, so many Christian women have a difficult time seeing that it is abuse? They are afraid of the, of the backlash. They're afraid people are not going to understand and they're not going to be able to explain it in a way where they are going to get the support that they need in order to get out. And we become afraid of doing the wrong thing. Because if you think about it in the midst of abuse is, at least in my world, in my experience, it was my job to make sure that his world was perfect, the house, the kids, the this, the that, whatever, so that he did not have to have self-control because he trained me to control his world so that he could just function in it without having to have any self-control. But then inadvertently, because he trained me to do that, would then backsplash into my face of that I was very controlling when he taught me that, you know, how he wanted things to be. So I think that we're afraid of not having the support that we need. And I think that we're afraid of people not understanding and being condemned for doing the right thing. Because I know that in my world, the people that have supported me and been there for me, even my parents, they, they agree that I should be away, of course. And that has made a difference for me to not only be able to feel supported in that, but be able to do it. And that is a huge thing is the support. So when you see someone that you think is hurting and God brought an, another new friend my direction, 
and for me to just listen to her story the other day and and be there for her was huge because she felt like she was capable of getting away. Yeah. It means a lot to have somebody validate what you're going through. And I, I think that's probably the main thing is even if you try to tell people they don't understand and you, you get invalidated so frequently that it's just mm -hmm. terrorizing to think about trying to get help. My, my good friend was told that she was a husband basher. She was a husband basher because she was speaking the truth. And I went, uh, uh, no, she is not. Yeah, but that, that was what she was told by their mutual friends because they were not willing to listen. And sometimes it's the ones that do the most damage and they are not willing to see the truth of your situation or telling you, well, I don't want to hear that. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm the one that lived it. Mm -hmm. or, or they just flat out just don't believe you and they believe your abuser. Yeah, yeah exactly. So part of your healing process has been writing poetry, which is awesome. And you've written a poem called Unsafe Arms. I'm going to have you share this poem, if that's okay with you, with our audience. And then I actually wrote a poem about my custody case, which I'm going to read after you. We're going to do an open mic here for a second. So can you read that poem to us, Unsafe Arms? Yes. It feels as though the walls are closing in being hurt like this by a supposed trusted friend. I gave so much and cared even more. Now at last, what was it all for? To be burned and thrown aside without a fleeting thought? How was I to know it was doomed from the start? For you put on the best con and played your part well, believing your own lies so that no one could tell. You made me believe that I mattered to you that there was no one else, just us two. You let me believe that you were my dream, that I was perfect for you, is how you made it seem. You were selfish and cruel when you didn't get your way, and if I didn't agree with you, you made me pay. You did this in small ways at first, so others wouldn't see. You used words to put me down to others, so you could get sympathy. You were jealous of anything good in my life, trying to make me feel like nothing, but still calling me your wife. You told me that you loved me, but only to take from me more. You always spent money on yourself and then got mad that we were poor. You found fault with everyone because they didn't do it your way. You were mean and disrespectful and didn't care who you ripped down along the way. You used your own parents and were jealous of your children. You told stories to get sympathy from unknowing friends. You used our families in any way that you could. You pretended to be a godly man and faked a Christian brotherhood. The bad behavior and abuse grew so slowly you hoped I would not see how you were nothing that you were pretending to be. You blamed me for everything and then refused to talk. You didn't want other Christians to see that you don't walk the walk. And when things got so bad, you would throw a love bomb my way, expecting me to just forgive again and believe what you say. 
And if I didn't move on like you wanted me to, then you would throw my faults in my face when it most benefited you. You use scripture to try and hold me in bondage to your will and manipulated me with chaos just for a thrill. Our children were never people to you, only mere pawns in your games. Your anger would rage when I would stand up to you for abusing them and calling them names. You hated that I loved them and cared for them so well. You didn't want them to see your true colors and be able to tell. That your love and care for them is conditional and only benefits you. That who you are and what they need doesn't matter to you. That they were only to make you look good and help you play your acting part. You never loved them like you should have from the start. You got mad when I chose them over you because of all the abuse. You just didn't like it that we were no longer there for you to use. You hit them and me with hands and words and did not care. You ruled me with threats of breaking things and constant fear. And now that I am here, I wish I had gotten them out sooner than I did. That I had listened more to your actions and what you said. For once upon a time, I thought your arms were safe and true. But that is what you led me to believe, to get me to trust you. So what has happened now is that not even your kids want you near. And we have to fight a battle every day called fear. And with these extreme limits and boundaries that had to be enforced, we pray that they will keep you at bay and us on the road to a healing course. For many of your threats before and you telling me to die or threatening to off yourself and then saying it was a lie. All of this makes me not trust anything you will ever say again. So for the safety of our kids and myself have to come first. On this, I will not bend. For the days they deserve a happy life that is safe and free so they can have a chance to grow into each of who each of them were meant to be. And they cannot do that with your control and abuse in the way for their own safety and well-being. Far away, I pray you stay. Thank you. I'm sure so many of our listeners are like me and it felt like you were not just sharing from your own heart, but from all of our hearts. Um, I really appreciate that. Okay. I'm going to share mine now. Mine was in response to um, when he just showed up amazing in court and was able to get more custody. I prayed and prayed and fasted and had everybody pray for me. And then it was just, you know, didn't go the way I wanted it to or the way that it was right. And it made me think of during our marriage where every time I would just pray and fast and hope that the right thing would happen. And it felt like with him, always the wrong thing would happen. <laughs> like it would never go right. 
So this is called I've Been Here Before. I've been here before. Smells like evaporated tears, like carpet. Nothing budging. Peaceful and happy for a weekend on the couch, reading, only to find more pit in my stomach. Can God hear me? Before I cried, I kneeled, I flailed around. I called people and told them the harrowing story. And then I married him. The house sold. The divorce finalized. It remodeled itself. How could I doubt? I had seen it with my own eyes, the parting of my sea, manna from heaven. I can still taste it. But I'm here again. A dark, dead end where I seem to make things worse just by breathing, just by thinking. I'm here again. I flailed around. I tried to prove. I printed every email. I made every argument, called my people, told them the harrowing story, and I'm here again. And so I wait. Let the Lord prevail, I guess. I don't like it here. The cold wind blowing and I'm drenched and I have no towel. And someone says from afar, wait for a towel. But there is no one for a thousand miles. And I know this, no one is coming. The heat from my body can't thaw the frost forming on my skin. And then I think, I'll get my own towel. But Walmart is closed and the sheep are dead. The cotton fields decimated. I stand in the mess and pray for righteous judgment, for something to break open, something to go away. Nothing. I pray to my grandma instead, thinking maybe she can do something God won't. Maybe she has the answers. Maybe she's the warrior I need right now. But she too is silent. Or perhaps she's constructing something better than a towel Who knows? I'm here again. My shoulders ache. My stomach is tight. My throat might implode from holding back my screaming. The pressure is like an icy, invisible blanket from hell. Waited. I'm here again. I wait on the Lord. I lean. I wonder, how can this be? But I've been here before, standing bare with nothing to rescue me, tired, burdened shivering, exposed. And I know what comes next, something worth the wait. And so I will, because I have no other choice, be still. The end. (laughs) Oh, I know I was going to cry. Sorry. Wow. I knew you were going to cry. That's deep. Thank you for sharing that with me. Ah, these things like it's interesting because we heal and we find ourselves not being triggered as much or maybe smiling or laughing or seeing the sun or feeling the sun on our face. But there's always something that takes us back to these hardest moments we've ever had. And um, I'm actually grateful for that. I'm grateful that I can still recall that. Um, Maybe there'll be a day where I can't. I can recall it from hearing stories like yours and other women especially women who are right in the thick of it. The righteous desire to have a peaceful home is something that women have longed for for thousands of years. And um, I've just been thinking about like the Bible and the stories in the Old Testament and how we are standing on the shoulders of so many women who have gone before us. And we have the opportunity now to do what they never were able to do. I mean, they were enslaved 
essentially to their husbands. You know, when Jacob waited for seven years for Rachel and Leah, he was just working to buy them. I mean, they were slaves, essentially. And I think now we actually have the opportunity to be free from an abusive man. We can work. We can have custody of our own children. We're entitled to our own wages. You know, that that stuff like that didn't even come about until the late 1800s. I know God is working a work in us, and I'm grateful that we are here and we're able to stand on these women's shoulders. But I also think they're looking down on us from heaven and being like, we have sacrificed so much so that you could be delivered. Be delivered already. You know, I think they, they want to see us make our way to safety. Well, and I think that, I think that my goal is to help women not turn away from God because these Christian men are being allowed or enabled or honestly just hiding at church and using the church in a way that the church doesn't know that they're using them a lot of times to continue to do what they do. So I would say that my reaction was to run even closer to God and something amazing happened and I couldn't figure it out for the duration of my marriage. I always felt split because this poem is not it's not my first. It, I just, God gave me the words to, to put my pain into, into verse. And uh, it's not my only one about this topic. And it's definitely not the shortest one, <laughs> but is that we no longer have to serve two masters because we can see the spy in our midst and separate ourselves from him or in some men's cases from her, because I believe it happens on occasion the other direction. And allowing ourselves to have one master, which is Jesus Christ, and allowing for our to not feel torn and split on the inside. And that is what happened for me, is that it was always this, am I going to serve God or am I going to serve, be united with my husband? And what I couldn't see for the longest time is why I was having so much turmoil is because he wasn't going toward God. He is not of God. Nothing that he does is of God. You will know them by their fruits, watch his actions more than his words. So is that now I can serve God truly and 100% and I will never allow anyone, it doesn't matter who it is, to derail me from going toward God and being on that path with him ever again. For women inside your heart is ask yourself, are you having turmoil? Are you feeling like you cannot serve God because you have to keep trying to be united with your husband? And that was one of the biggest telltale signs for me to know what was going on inside me. And I feel like I should say the divorce process is long. It's tiresome. It's hard. Get yourself a community. Um, know it's going to take a while. Plan for it. Build yourself up in the midst of it. Because when court happens, which you know yourself, it takes you back to a dark place. If you can plan for that, if you can at least have a thought process toward it, it helps immensely to know you're going to have to go back there. Not in the same sense, but you just reliving anything is traumatic, but take care of yourself and get yourself in a, in a better place 
so that it does not break you down like it did before and give yourself some grace. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your story and your insights and your beautiful poem and so grateful that you are now sharing your experience with other women to bring them hope. Well, thank you for having me. It was my privilege. And the only thing I can say is, is don't think that this is the end. Your life, the life is far from over. Yeah. And it's beautiful. There's beautiful, wonderful things in store for all of us, even when it gets hard. So thank you again. Thank you. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 